Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Limit Does Not Exist is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single week. And hosted by us. Has this moment in time caused you to wonder about a professional transition? Or maybe you're just wondering if you should be doing more than sitting on your couch eating cookie dough. Or is that just me? Mmm, cookie dough. No matter what you're wondering, this episode may lead you to some answers. Or at least help you ask the right questions. Yes. Today we're joined by Richard Nash, a coach who specializes in helping creatives become more entrepreneurial, business folks become more creative, and all types of professionals become more comfortable with transitions. No stranger to career zigs and zags, Richard brings his range of theater, publishing, and entrepreneurial experience to every coaching session he leads. He also brings a lot of questions, which interestingly are often just as important as those answers we're all seeking. Here's a question, Kate. 
What are we waiting for? Ooh, good one, Christina. I don't know. Let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. After, my goodness, a long career spanning theater, publishing, media startups, and consulting for large Fortune 500 companies, why have you focused your work now on being a coach? Two years ago, I was in a session with my shrink, with my psychotherapist, mm. and I was relating to her a conversation I had had a few days before that with my then-girlfriend. And as I'm describing the conversation, I stop and I say, ew, I sound like a life coach. (laughs) And she looks at me and she says, that's what you should do. And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) And I spend the next couple of months off and on researching in order to prove her wrong. And instead, I proved myself wrong. You I did. just started Googling about coaching and reading <laughs> articles. Actually, the best article I read was in Harper's Magazine. And it was a long article that was intended as a takedown of the coaching industry. <laughs> the journalist actually did the program that I ended up doing myself. And she was doing it with the fullest intention of snarking on the whole thing. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I often find that the best reviews in the world are the reviews that are written from a standpoint of saying all the things that this isn't good at. Because you know when they're saying something good about it, it's real. (sighs) I try not to read reviews, but I like that. (laughs) No, it's it's true. I forget who did this research. I feel like Adam Grant might have written about this in one of his books, but I don't know if it was his research or he was recapping someone else's. But that basically winning over someone who's already predisposed to like you is not that particularly compelling. Mm. But winning over someone who started out anticipating not liking you, someone who is opposed to your viewpoints... And having them convert from negative to neutral and then neutral to positive, that those are the best sort of transformative, your words, reviews or cheerleaders. That's the person you want championing your work, which is why when you see like Amazon reviews and you look at a book that has all five stars, you're kind of like, eh. But you see a bunch of four stars or three stars, and they have some really great comments about what is working. You're like, that's what I'm looking for. You're more likely to believe that. I also realized, you know, coaching is an activity that all the adjectives that get thrown in front of it matter a lot less than what it's fundamentally doing, which is using conversation to help people transform. So how do you help creatives discover their entrepreneurial side and entrepreneurs find their inner creative? Is it the same technique that works kind of on both sides of that coin? Or do you find you have to go in through very different entryways? From a broad standpoint, it is the same thing. It's that you keep asking questions until they're forced to confront that they are more entrepreneurial or more creative than they thought they were. It's patience. It's persistence. It's the Socratic approach of asking 
questions that are genuine, not rhetorical questions. I mean, I cheat all the time. I fail <laughs> all the time. But again and again and again, what makes the biggest difference is when I don't cheat. When I don't know the answer that I'm trying to elicit. I am just, they say something and I wonder what they mean or I wonder what that feels like or I wonder why or I wonder when and I wonder aloud and through that wondering aloud people discover things about themselves. I often think about how so much of the time the questions are as important if not more important than the answers. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Really finding that way in to sort of get to the heart. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a 
dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie-loving friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something else about your work, Richard, that we love is that you talk about helping creatives and entrepreneurs navigate an ever-shifting terrain, which, oh my gosh, could not feel more (laughs) (laughs) apropos right now. So as much as you're talking about how personal your work as a coach is with each individual Are there any through lines, any advice that you have to artists, writers, entrepreneurs that feels very applicable to right now and that so many of us are experiencing quite a bit of uncertainty and potentially some unplanned professional transitions? How might we be thinking about the next week, month or year or beyond? I think right now there is an opportunity to focus on being as much as on doing. Hmm. One of my sort of great influences is the musician Nick Cave uh, of the band Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And he has, it's a kind of a newsletter, but it's a newsletter where basically his fans email him questions. And every couple of weeks, he answers one of those questions. One of the questions he opted to answer 
about a month ago was, what are you doing in the midst of all this insanity? How are you dealing? And he said, well, usually I respond to these sorts of things by working like crazy, you know, by being super active. He said, this time I'm not this time. I'm just going to witness. Now, not all of us have the privilege necessarily, and, and that's a complicated word to use, but what I think he was getting at is that we can hide through activity. We can hide from ourselves. We can hide from the world through activity. And what I have been seeing right now is that the crutches we use to hide from ourselves are being kicked out from under us. And we're being forced to look at ourselves and listen to ourselves. And rather than fight that, my inclination is to suggest to folks that we try to own it by using this time to focus on the kind of the being of who we are as opposed to the doing of what we do. I just had a conversation earlier today with somebody who was in a state of transition work-wise, somebody who'd been laid off in August of last year and is now like not even sure like how you go about interviewing for things <laughs> right. uh, amidst this insanity. He's been doing everything right in sort of like career 101. You know, he's got spreadsheets tracking who he's been talking <laughs> to and he's redone his LinkedIn, you know, the, the sort of the pixie dust that's going to end up being the difference between job and no job is not going to come from fine tuning for the 47th time the keywords at the top of his LinkedIn profile to try to make the AI think he's a square peg when he's really a round hole. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right. There's deeper work that needs There's to be done. There's deeper work to be done. And that's what feels to me is, is the work of the present moment, is to do the deep work on yourself, to do the stuff you've been hiding from through the busy work of before. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is all of those things that he's doing are are good and and important. And it's also easy, like anything, to kind of let that be somewhere also to hide, right? Or to let that like take the forefront when it's really there to support the main course. You've gone through several professional transitions of your own. You started out as a theater director in New York City, where you eventually founded and ran your own theater company. And then after nearly a decade in theater, you made a pretty big shift into publishing. So what prompted that transition? I basically ended up in publishing because I offered to help out and then fell in love. I think with hindsight, this was not something I was aware of at the time, with hindsight, I was falling out of love with theater, although I didn't know it. I looked at the audience of these productions I was doing, and I kept seeing people I knew. How did you learn the industry of publishing? Like, you came in as an outsider, right. and, you know, you came in initially to kind of run this one press, and then you started building your own business models within that. At a certain point, you became, you know, what, what many people considered kind of one of the foremost thinkers about what the future of publishing could or should be, how do you go from being a neophyte 
to the oracle of the future <laughs> in such a short period. You know, I'm, I'm being a by little being stupid but, enough. By being <laughs> stupid serious, enough. serious, right? And I'm like, going to be facetious back, but also serious back. Yeah. By being stupid. And just asking the questions that everyone's afraid to ask. Yeah. I had no idea what to be afraid to ask. I just had to ask the questions. I had no idea how publishing worked. You just had to be stupid enough to ask the questions. And again and again and again in my life, I have realized that a certain kind of these combinations of curiosity, of not needing to be a person with the answers. You know, in the end, I think I became a coach because I was sick of being an oracle. I didn't really believe... I had answers. I believe that I asked interesting questions about the history of publishing, asking kind of dumb questions about the present of publishing allows us to see things that we might not otherwise see. But once I ask the interesting questions, everybody can see what the answers are. I feel like I was not somebody who had answers. I felt like I was somebody who was more productive asking questions. <laughs> see, this is how coaching works. You asked a question out of curiosity, and I made a discovery in myself as a result of your curiosity. Brilliant. I've got a backup career as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned because... I took so little for granted. What I love about your approach into publishing that you touched on is that we talk about this and hear this a lot on our show, that one of the most common lies of the mind when we're doing a transition, particularly kind of after other people may have been in the field, is that it's too late or you're behind or, you know, all of that chatter that can get in the way of, I think, what you're talking about, which is the power of that beginner's mind to just dive in. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine 
And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We did do our Google stalking of you. And one of my favorite blog posts that you wrote years ago was on this idea of a filter versus a map when it comes to content, discovering things, right? You say Mm. that when there are 
too many choices all at once to be able to take them in, the typical reaction these days is to filter them down to a manageable number. And that's why people end up with the same top five in their algorithms that either a computer or a curator has chosen for them. But that eliminates the joy of discovery. Whereas the map way of organizing and displaying options, you can think of like a bookstore where you go to an area and then you go to a specific shelf and then you start going down the rows on that shelf until you find the thing you're looking for. And that's how you actually get to discover something unexpected. You write that maps are fun in themselves. Filters are not. We love this analogy. Yes, love this. Surely anyone who's ever tried to find a new podcast beyond the top 10 <laughs> in any category on iTunes probably feels that same way we feel about the limitations many of filters. <laughs> so I guess I just want to ask, like, how did you first come up with it? I mean, it seems so obvious now that we say it out loud, but it really... It struck me when I read this post of like, oh my God, that is the problem with the joy of discovery something unexpected. There is nothing unexpected anymore on the internet. Algorithms have taken that away from us. So who is doing the map approach well? How do we fix this? Oh boy. The reason I came up with that is from a, uh, 2011 to 2013, I worked with a startup based out of Los Angeles called Small Demons. The sort of filter versus map stuff is something that kind of very incrementally dawned on me week after week, month after month of trying to explain what Small Demons was doing to the world at large. Because it looked like a cool rabbit hole, and it was a cool rabbit hole, but you had to kind of step back and say, well, you know, what's really going on here? You know, what is this that this is really doing? And what helped me grasp that was reading some article that I have never been able to find again. Uh, it was in some science magazine, which was talking about walking. It was talking about how the brain, the human brain, is at its richest when it is dealing with depth perception. It's like you're in the jungle or some you know, subtropical forest and you're looking for berries, but you also have to be aware of like rustles 100 yards away from saber-toothed tigers. And you also have to have half an eye on the thunderheads that are coming over the horizon. The amount of visual information just in that little sequence, no robot can do that right now. The amount of data that you have to process to do all that stuff simultaneously is mind-boggling. Yet that's, that's what our brain does routinely. So what it suggested to me is that we can absorb way, 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 way more information when we're operating in three dimensions than we're operating in two dimensions. And the reason we have filter, in a sense, is you can only stick like five or ten things on a screen because you only have two dimensions. We can work with what our brain offers us if we can operate in a much richer 3D environment where we can use our ability to process, to shift focus, to absorb ambient information. We do it in so many ways. I mean, the bookstore analogy is a lovely analogy. Just 
you know, walking into a plaza in, in, a, in a city you don't know, trying to decide what restaurant you're going to go to. You can spend 10 minutes on Yelp trying to sort through the reviews <laughs> here. About, here we are back to reviews again, right? Trying to decide, <laughs> is this reviewer somebody like me or is this reviewer the opposite of me? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the other thing we can do is you just scan the plaza. You walk around. A, it's fun. B, you kind of sort of like, uh, that restaurant. Uh, I don't you can know. see which people, one is busy. You can read the menu in the busy. window. Yeah. The menu, even how people are dressed. Yeah. yeah. The kind of music coming out of there. How aggressive the waiter, you know, looks. Like, there's just so much. And what are you in the mood for? You don't even know what you're in the mood for at that moment. And it doesn't even occur to you that you wanted this sort of a thing until you spot it as like, oh my God, yes, that. This makes me wonder if this is even possible on, let's say, the Instagram feed. Instagram and screens, I think, are, are largely unfixable. Although the phone, as it moves through space, the fact that the phone is maybe two and a half D. Yeah. I was thinking of that as you were saying this idea. I was like, okay, how would we apply something like that to your example on the plaza looking for a restaurant? And one version of augmented reality is, you know, we put the phone up and we see layered on top of a picture additional information, right, that that might tell us the Yelp scores of each of the restaurants we're looking at. But the other idea, that's sort of using the real world and the augmented reality layer as the output. But one other way of doing this would be using the real world as the input. And instead of having to say, you know, Yelp, I'm looking for restaurants in this city, by applying that layer, it knows what time of day it is. It knows your geotag. It has this and it uses that as an input so that it then can suggest, hey, it's about eating time. Here are some options nearby, but here are other things you might want to consider. It's also almost time for this play to start around the corner. And sure. it's almost, right. So like I could see that as well of being able to use three dimensions as the input to your search, especially in ways that are less siloed. I just think it's a brilliant framework for anyone who's in the business of content, of story, of discoverability to really kind of shift the angle that you're thinking about, how do I help my audience find this? Yeah. You know, Christina, I love Richard's point about being versus doing. It's a bold idea that can feel very counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of things have to be done. It's not about dodging meaningful responsibility or not taking ownership of what you can in fact do. But what resonated with me was this idea that doing can often be a coping mechanism rather than something that will really move you forward. Yeah. Ironically, busyness can often get in the way of true productivity. And the kind of productivity I'm talking about is the kind that emerges from that place that we can often only access when we quiet down and just be. Yeah. I try to think about this, that as an artist and a writer right now, my job is not to use this downtime to make a lot of things, mm. <laughs> but rather to observe and take notes and actually experience this really difficult experience. So... <sighs> 
that later I might be able to make things that reflect this time, if that makes any sense. It makes so much sense. And actually, as someone who has been creating during this time, really kind of in these bursts, mm-hmm. I've realized that the things I'm creating are actually really things that are helping me process, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not coming from an intention of I need to do this, but rather from I'm struggling with this. Let me explore it through this creative output. Yeah. I have a new appreciation of how lately my creativity has been a way of wrestling with these unanswerable questions. And speaking of questions, I also loved Richard's point that a great coach is simply someone who asks them from a place of mm-hmm. genuine curiosity. Yeah. What I love about that is that it keeps the focus on the person who's being coached, and it encourages the idea that answers truly come from within, not from whoever's coaching you. (laughs) Yes. And of course, I'm now obsessed with this framework of the filter and the map. Yes. (laughs) I think it just really gets me excited to look at products and experiences in a whole new way and wonder how could we replace the filter that we've all kind of come to hate with something like a map? You know, anything that helps us recapture the joy and the delight of discovering new things makes me really happy. Yeah, Christina, I love what you proposed during our conversation and the line of thinking around it that you were Mm. going down. I don't remember a topic that I feel like I've just been left with so much to chew on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just lots of questions to ask. So we hope you all can take the time and space to ask questions and really to just be this week and turn off that little voice in your head that says you should be doing. Let us know how that feels. And as always, we love hearing your updates and questions all of the questions. You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at TLDNEpod, or you can email us at hello at TLDNEpodcast.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail, potentially with your favorite cookie dough recipe, at 833-HI-TLDNE. That's 833-448-5363, then dial 803. I've got a great chocolate chip cookie dough recipe, but I could use peanut butter. Ooh, Christina, I hope that you'll link that in the show notes. If we get any good ones, I will. (laughs) Ooh, yes. Let's link all of them in the show notes, along with Richard's website and the Filter vs. Map blog post, plus a few other episodes that focus on creativity and entrepreneurship, all of which you can find at tldnepodcast.com slash 124. Thanks so much to our producer, Maya Cole, and to you for tuning in. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts if you like what you heard. It really helps us get the word out to fellow human Venn diagrams. Until next time, remember, the the limit limit does does not exist. exist. (laughs) (laughs) The Limit Does Not Exist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. 
Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 